Fantastic. Wow, I don't know about you, but I'm hot in here. I went bike racing yesterday. I think my blood's just pumping a little bit harder than usual. I'm feeling a bit hot. Is anyone else hot? You're hot. I think we should turn the heater down. Anyone vote turn the heater down one notch? Anyone vote turn an upper heat a notch? Okay, let's turn it down one notch. Or, or, or maybe just leave where we... Oh, no, they just give me a high five. That's all right. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Well, I just thought um, it's really important that uh, I, I welcome you, but also I just, our podcast recording already, is it? Yep, fantastic. I just want to say thank you to our, our kids' workers out there right now. Um, you guys don't get to see it when you don't go out, but they had to push the wall back this morning because there's too many kids to fit in the space. I'm like, yeah, it's exciting. Um, and uh, our Bub's Church helpers and leaders, uh, I just thank God for all you guys that are listening to the podcast now because you've been out there while well, I'm speaking right now. And welcome everyone who's listening online. We've had over 2,000 people listen to our podcast in t- uh, just on 12 months, so praise God for that. And we've had people come to this church because they've listened to the podcast and go, hey, wow, can I come and check it out? And we're like, mm, yes, you can. Um, and you're most welcome to come and join us at church. Um, look, I, who knows we're all learning and who knows we're all getting it wrong sometimes. Um, and I just really felt just uh, through the last couple of songs we're singing, uh, this is some, something I do very often, but as we said, God speaks to us. And uh, I just had this sense of a headache in the back of my head, and God's like, no, that's not your headache, that's someone else's headache, and I want to heal them. And I just wonder if there's anyone here today that has a headache in the back of their head. And I had this thought of even thinking, I should have had that panel before I came to church. Is there anyone here this morning that is, that's you, that you, you have that headache in the back of your head right now? I could be wrong, but I felt like God was stirring me to ask. No? Someone with a... Always. Well, can I I get the guys around Rach just to pray for her? I just want to pray for her right now. I believe God's speaking so that someone might be set free this morning. Lord, we pray for Rach right now who says she has this headache ongoing. We just thank you for your Holy Spirit. Your power that raised Christ from the dead, that lives in us, that's here in this room today. God, we just pray that her physical body, Lord, might come into alignment, Lord, with the way you created her to be. Lord, I thank you, God, that she is your creation, that you know her, you know everything about her, Lord. You know the things in her body that are causing these headaches, and we just pray for a release in Jesus' name right now. Thank you, Lord. Let your spirit flow. Let it move and change the, the physical things in her mind, that, in her head that need changing, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How you feeling, Rach? Tell us later if you... <laughs> thank you, Lord. Anyway, thank you, Lord. I just didn't, I didn't know if it was just me or if that was God, but if it was God, I wanted to be faithful, so let's step out where he leads us to. Amen? Amen. Let's open the Bible and let's read from Genesis chapter 1. Good morning. Here we are. Genesis chapter 1. And it's on the screen, but if you've got your Bible, I encourage you to have your Bible open so you can circle things, underline things. The Bible is alive, it's, it speaks to us, but you can be reminded of the things God speaks to you if you've drawn in it and scribbled in it and get to know your Bible. Thank you, Lord. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know, God knows everything about everything. He knows it all. He created it all. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Who's the us? Some people thought 
I know Jesus, they had this idea that Jesus was born and began when he was born, but Jesus was there from the beginning. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a trinity. And God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Some say subdue it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And later on he says, Meat. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. And God said it was very good. I just want to skip it over to chapter 2, verse 15. It says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. That is what God did. This morning, sorry, before I go there, God created people to subdue the earth for purpose, to work, and to govern, to subdue. Some people think work is a curse of sin. Work is because of the fall, and we should never have to work. But it's actually not accurate. It's not true. God created us for a purpose. He created us for, to, to work the earth, to, to tend the garden and to care for it. He created us with a purpose, and not just to have pleasure, but to, to do what God created us to do, that we would be people who worship Him through all our lives in all that we do. Work is not a curse of the fall. So the question for us is, so what are we called to work at? Are we all supposed to be better gardeners? Because if we are, I'm failing dismally. <laughs> I've learned to enjoy it a little bit. But what are we called to work at? What are you working at? What are you striving for right now? What do you feel God has called you to? I was talking to Matt and Shannon Rodiger, who were down a couple of weeks ago uh, that work up in Arnhem Land. I was talking to them about the challenges in their community and they were sharing with me about how idleness is one of the biggest problems in their community. Idleness, people that just have nothing to do. And that stems, of course, out of not knowing their identity, knowing, not knowing who they are, what they're called to, what they're created to be, who they're created to be. And I thought about it through the weeks afterwards and I sort of thought, well, I wonder how different it is for us in our community. I'm sure we get busy doing things or whatever, and I'm sure there's other problems as well, but idleness, when, when we're idle, when we don't know what we're meant to be doing, when people feel lost, when people feel like they have no purpose, when they don't know who they are and what they're created for. And even for myself, I think, when do I get discouraged? When do I uh, feel flat, feel low? It's when my identity is I'm feeling confused. I'm feeling unsure. I'm feeling unsure about my purpose, what I'm called to be and do. I'm sure it's the same for many of you. What does it look like? This morning we're going to begin a new series looking at the Sermon on the Mount called What on Earth Am I Here For? Because I think it's a question that so many people ask. What am I meant to do? I've done this, I've done that, but what am I meant to do with my life? 
I did this, I did that, and I, I like doing that, but what on earth am I meant to do? What am I here for? And this morning in particular, we're going to ask the question, what is genuine success? What am I here for? What am I meant to do? How, how, what does success look like? How, what does it mean? How do I genuinely be successful in the eyes of God? I want to pray, and then we're going to open the Word. Lord God, we just thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you that you created all things, that you know all things. Lord, you created us. You knew us. You knitted us together in our mother's womb. And God, I just pray this morning that you would speak to each heart, each life that's here today. That, Lord, you would encourage them in the, in the purpose that you have made them for you, Lord. That, Lord, you would help each one of us to see who we are, why you've created us, what this life is all about. God, I pray that we would leave this place today with a greater sense of excitement and, and joy and enthusiasm for the purposes that you have planned, that you, the, the things that you have planned from the beginning for us to do, Lord. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's open our Bibles again to Matthew chapter 5. If you've got your Bible, please let me hear some pages flicking. It encourages me to think, okay, someone's listening. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1. We're going to be looking at this over the next few weeks. So I encourage you, open it up. I'm not going to read for the next few weeks, just so you know, we're not going to go that long, but yeah, cool. That was a bad joke, sorry. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, I'll move on, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are. You read that and you sort of think, really? Blessed are the suffering, blessed are the persecuted, blessed are the the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek. What's Jesus saying here? At first reading, you can read that and go, Jesus think you're confused. I don't think that sounds very blessed. But I want to have a look at it this morning and, and I look beyond just what he's saying. And also, firstly, for the disciples, what's he saying to those who were there on that day? And then secondly, what's he saying for us as people that live on the earth, who, who live on the same earth that Jesus came to and spoke to the, the people, had the same sort of struggles we have? What's he saying to us through this passage? First of all, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. To, to give you the context, you, you've got to re- remember that Jesus has called the disciples. He's called them and he says, come follow me. And they, they drop their nets and they, they, they leave and they follow him. And I want you to, to picture that, to, to, to 
think about that, to, to smell the smells. These fishermen that have been cleaning their nets and they've been out fishing all night and they drop their nets. Maybe they've been gutting fish, doing whatever they do with fish. And they dropped their nets and they followed him. Didn't say, hey, Jesus, just, just give me five minutes. I'm going to go get cleaned up. And uh, I've just got to go home and pack my bag and come to get ready and come. It's like they just dropped everything and they went and followed him because they recognized there was something about this man. And they follow him and hopefully they've had a chance to wash by now, but who knows, it's probably still smelly because he's calling new people to follow him. And Jesus is doing amazing miracles. There's amazing things happening wherever they're going. People are coming and they're getting healed and being set free. And it's at this time that we, we read in Matthew 5. And I just wonder if it's another day, they get up and the disciples are with Jesus and they see the crowds coming and they go, to, here we go again. And it's like, Jesus, can we just have a break for, for a day? Like, can we just, just, just chill out for a bit? Like, can you send these people away? Like, we just want to have some time with you. You've called us to follow you. It's like, we want to have some you time. We want to have some us time. I, I could be wrong in my thinking, but I just wonder if the disciples might have been thinking a little bit that way. And Jesus goes up on the mountainside and they go up with him and he speaks to them. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And I wonder if he's saying, you know, guys, I can sense your frustration that people just won't leave us alone. But blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who realize they need a savior. Blessed are those who realize they need God to move in their life. Blessed are those who see that they need something that they can't do for themselves. Blessed are those who cry out to God, who believe God can move in their life and come to Him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, we cannot in enter the kingdom of heaven without faith in the Son of God. There is no other way to be saved, the Bible says. Blessed are the poor in spirit who acknowledge our sinfulness, that acknowledge we need a Savior, that realize that we're sick and we need someone to heal us. The Bible talks about having childlike faith, about realizing we, we, we have a Father in heaven who loves us and cares for us and we just trust Him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. His disciples, they've, they've left everything and they've, they've gone and followed Jesus. I wonder if maybe just Jesus knows their heart and that they know the struggles in their mind and their heart and, and, and possibly the mourning that they're going through. They're thinking, I haven't seen my family for, for six weeks now. It's like, Jesus, where, where are you leading us? Where are you taking us? What's this all about? What's this, what's this for, Jesus? And, and Jesus is, is saying, yeah, blessed are those who are coming, but blessed are you who are even in mourning at the moment. I think deeper than that, he's saying, blessed are those who mourn, those who have a godly sorrow for their sin. I don't believe God is saying blessed are those who, who uh, have grief. He's not saying grief is a wonderful thing. Go find some more grief. I don't think that's what he's saying. Don't be a, a, a self-martyr for nothing. Blessed are those who mourn, those who acknowledge their sinfulness, who leave everything and come follow him. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. No one who comes to him will ever be disappointed. You can never give up anything and God not honor that if you're doing it in his name. He says, blessed are those who give up all kinds of things through the scriptures. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. They will be lifted up. They will be forgiven. If we will not acknowledge our sin, if we will not admit our sin 
and ask God for forgiveness, thank God for his forgiveness, then we will face judgment. He says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Doesn't, what does that even mean? Blessed are the meek. It sounds like weak. It sounds like geek. It sounds like all these bad things. It's like, I don't want to be meek. What does meek mean? I had a look at the, the original word and the, the translation and what it means. That word meek, one definition is a happy medium between two extremes. I thought, okay. I've heard another translation in the past, a definition of meek, that it's power under control. So in other words, there's, there's power there, but it's not being used to its full capacity. It's like a, he, he explained it as like a Mack truck sitting at the red light of the traffic lights. It's sitting there, it's got power, it could run over the top of those cars, but it has, it's under control. And it, it's, it's ready to be used, but it's not just out of control going wherever it wants. It's meek. Ever thought of a Mack truck as being meek? It's not weak, it's not a geek, it's meek. Blessed are the meek. Jesus is saying, you know you're sinners. We, 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 when we come to salvation, we realize that we have nothing to offer God. We are, we have, the Bible says our, our best things we ever do are just as filthy rags. We have nothing to offer, but when we admit that, and we come to Jesus, He fills us with His Spirit. We get filled with the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And now if you are in Christ, if you know Jesus is your Saviour, He's filled you with His Spirit, you are meek. You're not a geek, you're not weak, you are meek. You are power under control. God has given you power to be His witnesses. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. You will have an eternity with Him. You will enter the new heaven and the new earth and spend eternity with Him. Blessed are the meek. Put it in a totally different context of uh, you go to a restaurant. The first one you go into, it has a sign out the front. Actually, it even has a person with a speaker saying, We are the greatest restaurant in all the land. And of course you believe them, don't you? Because none of us are sceptical at all. and you finally think, well, I'll, I'll try it. And you go in and there's signs saying how wonderful they are and all their awards are everywhere. But as you scan the room, you sort of notice oh, the tables are a bit dirty. And you sit down and they say, here is the menu. It is the pista resistance. It is amazing. It is wonderful. It is the best food you've ever tasted. You order and you're like, it's all right. Beans are a little overdone, but it's all right. And you go to another restaurant and you walk in and... It looks a little ordinary. The signage is sort of falling down. And you walk in and they say, oh, thanks for coming. It's, we've actually only just opened. And it's it's going to be a while. And um, the chef's away. So we're going to do our best. But if you'd like to stay, you can. And then you go to another restaurant. And, and it's like, g'day. How you going? Welcome. Here's the menu. Thank you. Would you like some water? Great. Having a good day? Sure. Fantastic. We'll let you order in a minute. You come back. And you're like, which one of the three restaurants do you think you'd go back to? I go to the last one. I don't want to be sold the, we're the greatest every time I walk to the restaurant. I don't want to go to the one that hasn't got a chef. I want to go to one with power under control. They're not, they're not proudful and boasting. I'd go to the one that's just, they're meek. There's, there's something good there. They're not boasting about it, but there's something good going on. And you know what? People like meek, humility. They don't like prideful. And we'll be blessed if we are meek. We're not saying we're the greatest, we know Jesus, we're amazing because we've got God. 
But we point people to him and say, you know what, if it wasn't for him, I would be so lost right now. I, I, I personally do not know where my life would have gone if I did not know Jesus. And I thank God for that. Blessed are the meek. Not puffed up with pride, not crushed with guilt, but meek. We know we're forgiven, but we know we've been filled with the power of the Son of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Jesus is saying to the disciples, I know you've left everything to come follow me. You could have done all sorts of things. You could have expanded that fishing business. You could have gone there. You could have done that. You could have been hanging out with your family today. You could have been doing this. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I think Jesus is saying, guys, you could, you could do, any, you can do anything you like on this earth. You can go after whatever you want. You can aim to be next prime minister, except they didn't have one. Um, you can do whatever you want in this life. You can strive for anything. You can hunger and thirst for whatever it is you want. You can go for fame. You can go for fortune. You can go for pleasure. You can do whatever you want on this life, on this earth, but you will not be filled if that is your passion, if that is your desire, if that is your greatest desire, you will not be filled. As I was in Melbourne this week, trying to work on my message between conference sessions and bits and pieces, uh, I was sitting in a cafe. It was actually a beautiful spot down by Seaford Beach, and uh, I was blessed. Blessed are those in hunger and thirst for righteousness. Thank you, Lord. And I'm sitting there, and you know those conversations you hear other people having, you just can't help but hear? Sometimes I take headphones now so I can't hear because I don't get distracted, but... I'm hearing this conversation and these people are talking about their friend that's going overseas and uh, this lady is obviously going, it's like, oh, what would you want to go there for? I've been there. And I won't say where they were going and talking some more. It's like, like, come on, like, why would you bother even going there? It's like, I've done that. What are you talking about? It wasn't that good. It's like Buckingham, pa- oh, oh, now I've told you where it was, Buckingham Palace. It's like, yeah, I did that. Nothing really that exciting. It's just, it's just like everything was kind of like, come on, is anything in life exciting? It's like, you've done all that? You should be happy. I just thought, what is she hungering and thirsting for? What is she trying to find? We can hunger and thirst for anything. We can have anything. And we will not be filled. I mean, how many people have we heard about that have it all in a natural sense? But inside, they are just hungry for something else. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Will you make this your, 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 your goal? Will you make this your, your life mission to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to see righteousness come in people's lives? And we are righteous by faith in Jesus. Will you hunger and thirst for righteousness, to see righteousness come in the land? Jesus is saying, He says, blessed are the merciful. Jesus is saying, I I don't believe he's saying, I want you just to be more merciful. He says, blessed are the merciful. And if, if we know the mercy of God, we will be merciful. We cannot know the love of God and not be changed. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who understand God's mercy and offer it to others. Blessed are those who know the mercy of God and offer it to others. He says, If you've been forgiven, then forgive others. If you've been set free, set others free. Set yourself free from unforgiveness. Blessed are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. 
as we forgive. The Bible says we will be forgiven. Blessed are the merciful, they will be shown mercy. And you know what? If we're merciful people, if we're gracious people, you know what happens? What we sow, we reap. Not always. We don't always have mercy thrown back at us when we're shown mercy to others. But often, if you're a merciful person, people will have mercy for you. Blessed are the merciful. They will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. You will see God. I wonder how many of us could say throughout our lives we have had a pure heart. We have just been totally pure. We have never thought a wrong thought. We have never done a wrong thing. We are pure people. None of us can say that. But Jesus came not just to to cover sin, but to deal with sin, to take our sin away. He says anyone who comes to him is forgiven. Anyone who calls on his name, their sin is dealt with, it is gone, it is removed, and he sees you as pure. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. You'll see God in your life. You'll see God in eternity. You'll see God when you look at other people. You'll see and, and have his thoughts for people. If your heart is, has been made pure, if you know Jesus is your Savior, if day by day we are living with Him as our Lord and Savior, if we're coming to Him, reminding ourselves of what He has done for us, our heart is pure, then our, our, our love for people will be pure. I've got to say through this week, God really stirred my heart to say, Andrew, I want you to know my love, my love, my love, my love that is so much greater, so much greater. I think I, I, I get frustrated too easy. I get, uh, get angry about things too easily. God, I want to know your love more, so I, I show your mercy more. I want to be pure in heart and show your love to those that you love, God. And if we change by the love of God, we will see God all around us. We'll see God's love for people, and we will be so blessed. Just in these last few days, I've just felt so blessed to, to, to have a renewed sense of God's love. I'll tell you what, it's the greatest thing to be aware of God's love. You will be blessed. You are blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. You will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. To be peacemakers doesn't mean just to be passive. Sometimes the peacemakers have to go to war. Sometimes the peacemakers face some battles to fight for peace, to fight for peace in the lives of others. God wants us to be peacemakers, peace bringers, to help people find peace in God. It says they will be called the children of God. What an awesome privilege that we can be called the children of God. What an awesome privilege, what an honor that God has given us, that we could be called his children. We deserve to be cast out, we deserve to be judged, but he calls us his children, he adopts us instead. He doesn't send us away, he calls us back, he calls us back, he loves us, he just wants us to share his peace, to work for peace, to acknowledge him and he will acknowledge us. And then finally he says, blessed are the perse- those who are persecuted because of righteousness. 
You know, you can be persecuted for all kinds of different things. You can be persecuted for stupidness. You can be persecuted for, for foolishness. You can be persecuted for just being... Whatever it might be, there's many things you can be persecuted for. And Jesus isn't saying it's blessed to be stupid. <laughs> He's saying it's blessed to be persecuted because of righteousness. Everyone says, yeah, we're excited about that. Aren't we? Yeah. Woo. Exciting. There's a speaker at the conference talking about how they had the voice of the martyrs come to their church to share about their ministry of, um, of sharing about what's happening in the world, about people who are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ. And he was sharing how he had this tension in his mind. He's like, yeah, we're going to have these people come from the voice of the martyrs talking about people who have been, uh, have been put to death for their faith. And this could go two ways. We can have them come and people are going to hear about all these people who have been killed because they had put their faith in Jesus and they stepped out and they died. And they all go, that's good for you. I think we'll take a back seat. You see, it could go that way. Or, if we do it the right way, we can talk about their faith. We can talk about their endurance. We can talk about the hope they had that they just would not, they would not refuse, they just refused to dishonour, they've refused to, to, to speak down on, they refuse to, to give up on, and they just step forward no matter what the consequence because their faith in God was so strong and inspire people with that kind of courageous faith. And I thought, what's the difference? What's the difference between the two ways of viewing pain? You know, we all suffer for something. We all suffer for different things. In a sense, this might be too strong a word, and if you're an employer, maybe you'll talk to me afterwards and say, Andrew, they are not suffering when they come and work for me. But when you work, can I, can I say in a sense, you're suffering. You're selling a part of your life away to someone else. You're, you're, you're selling that eight hours of your day to someone else. You're, you're giving that part of your life up. In a sense, you could say you're suffering for that cause. You suffer for all kinds of things. Maybe it's to earn money. Maybe it's for a cause. We, we suffer for all kinds of different things. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We can suffer for all kinds of different things. And I want my suffering to be for something worthwhile. I was listening to a message at the start of the week, I think it was, about Lazarus and how Jesus was a great friend of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And he heard that Lazarus was dying. And what does Jesus do? Does he run to him? Does he say, Lazarus, it's okay, I'm coming. He just hangs around for a couple of days. And then finally when he dies, he goes to where Lazarus was. And the people are like, what are you doing? Why didn't you come? You, you, could, have, you could have healed him. You, could, you would have lived if you had have come. I think, wow, that's great faith. God gives us that kind of faith that we know that if Jesus comes. It will. But they didn't understand what was happening. They didn't understand what Jesus was about to do. Mary and Martha, the family, they were suffering because of Lazarus' death. They were grieving. There was a suffering involved. But they didn't understand that Jesus was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus could have been just one of the many that we hear about, that someone was healed there, someone was healed there. But we talk about Lazarus today because it was one of the most amazing miracles. And God was going to be glorified in a way that they had never imagined 
through their suffering, through what happened. And I wonder how often we look at our life like a five-minute snapshot of a five-hour movie. It's like you, you, you step in and you watch five minutes of a movie, you have no clue what is going on. And the guy that you thought was bad is actually good, and the guy that you thought was bad is good. That's what I said. And that guy is bad, and he's good as well. And you have no clue what's happening. I wonder how often we look at our life and we, we try and explain everything, we try and work everything out, but we have no idea of the end from the beginning. God has a plan and God has said that he will use all things for the good of those who love him. God will use all things, despite how much it might confuse us, how much it might be hard for us. God will use all things for his glory. We can suffer for all kinds of things, but I want to live this life for his kingdom, for his glory, and know that everything I go through is for his glory and for his kingdom. If I'm going to suffer, I want to suffer for something worthwhile. (laughs) Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be given unto you. We have been commanded to not seek after anything else, but to to give our lives to him, to acknowledge that he is our saviour, he is our king, he is our Lord, and you will inherit the kingdom of heaven. You will enter into these blessings. What does it mean for us? Three things really quickly. Have we acknowledged our sinfulness? Have we acknowledged that we are poor in spirit? Without him, we are lost. We are without hope. Have you acknowledged it? Day by day, do you realize that, Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace? Are we aware of his love and mercy day by day? Do we know who we are in Christ? We are no longer a sinful, unpure, unclean person trying to earn God's favor. We are blessed. We are pure. We are righteous. We are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. We talk about baptism. Baptism is acknowledging that someone has died. You don't bury someone who's dying That would be very cruel. You bury someone who has already died. Baptism is about saying, my old life is dead. I'm going to come up out of that water because I know Jesus went in the grave, but he came out alive and I'm now alive with Christ. I'm a new creation and I'm going to live with him. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to be meek. I'm going to let his power outwork through me. I'm going to live for his glory. Do we know who we are in Christ? What are we hungry for? What are you hungry for? Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness to come in people's lives? Or do you hunger and thirst for that great restaurant? Do you hunger and thirst for a little bit more comfort? Just a little bit more, just a little bit more. If it's just a little bit more anything but Him, you will always be hungry. Do we hunger and thirst for glory, for fame, for fortune, for pleasure? Or do we hunger and thirst that God might be glorified, that he might be lifted up, that people might know him? If that's our hunger, we will be filled. Thank you, Lord. Genuine success begins when we realize our need for God. We receive his mercy that we might offer it to others. I believe God would say genuine success begins when we realize our need for him. We receive his mercy and that we might offer it to others. Put another way, all suffer, we all suffer for something. Genuine success is suffering for something that's worth suffering for. If you're a part of the kingdom, if you're fighting for his kingdom, if you're trying to help his love be known, then you are living a genuinely successful life. 
and you will be filled. God smiles on you and he calls all of us to come follow him. Ask the band to come now. We're going to finish. I just want to pray. Thank you, Lord. We're going to sing this song. Can you just put the words up, Laura? Um, Higher than the mountains that I face. Is it the first line? Uh, Actually, I think it's the verse. Higher than the mountains that I face, stronger than the power of the grave. Constant in the trial and the change, one thing remains. His love never fails, never gives up, never walks out on me. He never gives up. Even if you fail, he continually says, come, come to me. Trust me. Let my love fill you. And this morning, I just want to ask if everyone would just close their eyes for a moment. God, I just pray for anyone this morning, and they just know that they haven't been aware of your love, that there's just been a struggle, that they just feel so empty right now, Lord. God, I thank you that you say anyone who calls on your name, anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, who acknowledges that Jesus, you died on the cross for our sin, that you rose again, that we too might have new life, that you say we will be forgiven, that we will have new life. And this morning, maybe there's someone here and you want to make that decision to say, thank you, Jesus, you died for me. I want to ask you to forgive me and I want to live for you. This morning, I just wonder if you would take a step and just say, yep, you know what, that's me. I'm not going to ask you to come out the front or anything. I just want you to acknowledge before God, that's me. I want to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. He hears your prayer, the prayer of your heart, and you can just say, thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. But I just want to ask this morning, if you do something bold and just raise your hand and say, that's me. No, God, that's me. I want to accept your forgiveness. I don't want to strive after my own pleasure, my own gain, all these things. I want to help people know your love. That's me, God. You know, all of heaven celebrates as you make that decision. It's the greatest decision I made in my life to acknowledge what Jesus has done for me, to know that I am not God, but he is God. And to acknowledge him as that. Is there anyone else this morning that would just like to say, yep, that's me. God, I'm sorry for living the way I have. I want to live for you. I want to honor you with my life. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you, Lord. God, I just pray for every one of us, that, Lord, you would help us to know your love. Lord, we don't have to strive after being these things, but, Lord, we just need to know your love. And, Lord, we just thank you for transforming us, for outworking these things in our life as we continually, day by day by day by day, come to you and let your love change us us and mold us and shape us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen.